Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. And on today's episode, we will hopefully finally finish episode three. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, Revenge of the Hopeful Sith. <laughs> the funniest part is like how little actually happens here at the end. Yes. It's important, but only so far as important as what happens after. Right. Let's go ahead and jump into this so that way we can see what the future holds. <laughs> we were going down uh, the Vader track. So the, the shuttle shows up with Palpatine and two clone troopers, which, by the by, are not 501st clone troopers. Like, you mean the group, the 501st? Yeah, they're not part of Vader's fist. Oh, okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, the 501st Squadron, which was both Clone Wars and Imperial, wore, at least in the Clone Wars era, wore blue and white. Okay. These guys are red. So this is coming out of a uh, Clone Wars show, right? Well, both, really. Okay. It was established, too, during filming that the 501st was those troops walking into the Jedi Temple who had blue and white armor. Okay. I will agree with you because I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing. So, yeah. Uh, shows up, and like you said, he's not on fire anymore, struggling to crawl, which is amazing that a man who was just set on fire can still move. Yeah. It's conviction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not not movie magic at all. Yeah. <laughs> not having to push the I believe button just a whole lot. <laughs> Palpatine in amazement is like, he's still alive. Go get a medical capsule. We got to go save him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so many things I get to do. <laughs> I'm going to change your name to Frankenstein. <laughs> so Frankenstein is the name of the doctor. <laughs> And the monster's name is Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> Nobody asked you, nerd. The, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> so in this scenario, Palpatine is Dr. Frankenstein and, and, and Vader is uh, the monster, which is the scene like that. That is what is going on in the scene. It is almost a, a part for part remake. Right. The only thing that's missing is the electricity actually going into Vader's body. Yes. Because, <laughs> like, there is a storm going on at the top of this high tower. <laughs> yep. They bring him in. It's got that solemn, you know, music playing. Palpatine's theme, basically. All the medical droids are black and uh, all kinds of weird serums and stuff going on and noises like you're in a wood shop <laughs> or a metal shop <laughs> and, and feeling the hands going on and the legs and the, the screaming as Anakin's you know all this is being done apparently without anesthetic because you know jerks <laughs> <laughs> classically you know the last thing to come on is the helmet and the face mask and the face mask and then the helmet you know comes on and hisses and Palpatine's like Lord Vader can you hear me and he's like yes my master and he's like, where's Padme? What happened to her? Well, okay, before we get to that, we get the iconic him breathing. Right. Which is the iconic Vader thing. That's the signal that you have the full transformation. Like, Anakin's dead. And this is Vader now. Right. From everything we saw in the preceding scenes and the conversations he had with Obi-Wan, it's kind of like, yep, we're pretty much there. <laughs> you know, as he's committed to this whole being evil thing. And now he's, he's sort of like his exterior matches his interior now. So, okay. So, sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, you said, you know, Lord Vader, can you hear me? He's like, yes, my master. Where's Padme? 
And this has got to be the moment that, like, I'm watching this, and, like, the fact that Palpatine can say it with a straight face is, like, it appears in your anger that you killed her, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, Vader can't see him. He's still strapped to the board. So the fact he's saying it with a straight face is, like, damn, he's an evil son. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you really get the depths of of how evil Palpatine really is. And, again, the gullibility of Anakin, because the stunned disbelief, but the acceptance at the same time. He's like, no, she was alive, I swear. And it was like, well, yes, she was. So, wouldn't this ask you questions? (laughs) Remember all those other things that he was keeping from you before? Weren't those lies? (laughs) Don't those count as lies? (laughs) (laughs) And then you see uh, Vader, you figure it's Vader, strike out through the force by tearing the room apart, you know, smashing glasses and droids and things like that. And then he forces himself off the table in Franken-style fashion, you know. (laughs) And the whole time, Palpatine has this Cheshire cat grin on his face like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's right, my fool. (laughs) Believe everything I tell you. And and then the classic, no. I know people made a lot of fun of that but to me that didn't seem like that was that bad that i mean that seemed like how that was should have gone because you're talking about a guy who just got operated on with no anesthetics in a new body (laughs) that he's never walked on yeah i think it was entirely dependent on the audience in the theater when you saw it even after that like the talk of in school and everything you know people like oh it was so ridiculous i'm like "Eh, not really (laughs) yeah i didn't see it as like that made sense like yes that's probably what he would have said. <laughs> and that's like, how he would have gotten out, too, you know? Yeah. It would have been clunky. And- yeah. Although I know some people who were in theaters when that happened, everybody in the theater laughed. And so it ruined the moment or the scene for him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of like Vader's sort of desperate cry. And it's sort of him also, like the no is also him kind of telling the universe, you know, I'm just not going to believe it anymore. Nothing. (laughs) I'm not going to believe my eyes anymore. You know, I'll believe whatever, whatever Palpatine says. The real world is just too painful. So I'm going to live in this fantasy world in my head now. Now that I've got a permanent place to hide. Yes. Which is this suit. (laughs) Yep. I can hide in my little shell here and cut people in half whenever I feel like it. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's basically the end of that particular storyline. Now we're going on to Obi-Wan and Padme. We see them leave Mustafar and fly to what looks to be the middle of an asteroid field. Yeah. Like a little base on, on one big asteroid in the middle of a big asteroid field. Yoda's there waiting for them. And Bill Organa says, hey, they're coming. Yeah, Jimmy Smith's Organa. He's like, hey, Yoda, stop, uh, stop thinking about how much you whole thing up. How <laughs> 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 you're a terrible terrible person because <laughs> you're the guy that you told to kill his best friend is almost back yeah have fun with that conversation <laughs> jimmy smith's out <laughs> i will give you a three finger slap jimmy <laughs> my name's bail your name's gonna be whatever i want it to be if i slap you like a <laughs> We skip over what has to have been the most awkward conversation of ever, which is, you know, Obi-Wan strolling and going, well, I did my part. So you, the Emperor's dead, right? We can go back and restart the Senate and the Jedi Order. And Yoda going to be like, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the pooch screwed it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> 
But Obi-Wan comes down out of the ship holding Padme. Bale's there going, hey, let's get her to the medical wing. You see them in what's obviously the medical wing on like an observation area. And the medical droid comes out and says the one thing that everybody now just like, what? In movie, out of movie, mm-hmm. is that she's medically, she's completely healthy. But for whatever reason, we're losing her. And Obi-Wan's like, wait, are you trying to tell me she's dying? Yeah. Well, she just lost the will to live. I like how even in the world, like the character's like... <laughs> <laughs> you kind of understand that if the patient was 90, 100, 900 years old, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. But a healthy 30-something-year-old woman who's pregnant? <laughs> yeah. A little, uh, a little more questionable. Uh, huh. And there's been some theories on this one. What, you know, why? She seems to have lost the will to live. Okay, okay, this is a droid, right, making this. So what does he know about the will to live? (laughs) You're a damn robot. I can turn you off if I feel like it. (laughs) So, like, how does he make that call, number one? And then number two, like, why do they believe him? (laughs) Listen here, Dr. Hamilton Beach. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen theories about like Palpatine using some sort of Sith power to kill her over a distance. I've seen several theories about how she actually could have died. But this for me is just solidly, okay, George wants us to push the I believe button. And so I guess I'll push it again. (sighs) Damn it, George. (laughs) (laughs) You just made me watch people not catch on fire, hanging about lava (laughs) for 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Only to catch on fire from lava. (laughs) Yes. It just raises further questions. (laughs) I want you to know that. And so, you know, it says, you got to hurry if we're going to save the babies, plural. And Obi-Wan's like, wait, what? Plural? <laughs> yep. She's got twins. <laughs> so the, the scene progresses, you know, she's in the middle of giving childbirth. There's something in particular I noticed about this scene. <laughs> Somebody will be like, how would you notice that? There's a side shot of Bail Organa watching the birthing happen. Mm-hmm. And from where he's sitting, he's sitting at the end <laughs> of the viewing area that you would be like, dude, boundaries, man. <laughs> I've never I've never noticed that. (laughs) Hey hey, Bale, getting a little creepy, buddy. (laughs) Oh, nice. It was just like one of those I'm like, wait, she's lying like this and he's right here. Hmm. What? (laughs) What was his expression? (laughs) One of concentration for certain. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta do this now because later it'll be creepy. (laughs) Were you checking out a dead woman? What is wrong with you? I don't know. I was checking her out while she was giving birth. What is wrong with you? I'm going to notice that forever now. And so will all of our our fans, our one and a half fans. (laughs) Oh, terrible. (laughs) The babies are born. She names them as they're being birthed, Luke and Leia. No shock there. What? (laughs) Right? (laughs) You know, of course, Padme's last words are, you know, there's good in him. I know there's good in him. Right. And that's an obvious call forward to the end of Jedi. Yeah. The obvious words of a faithful dutiful wife <laughs> and just sort of the, the we can save him kind of a deal and obi-wan's like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, <I'm>, yeah. 
to look i'm not saying that i cut three of his limbs off and left him to, for dead next to a river of fire i'm just not gonna say that <laughs> <laughs> you did what i didn't do anything i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> at that moment you got to think of how just emotionally just anytime after that that he was alone. He just must have been a complete puddle of a person. Yeah. Because he's holding her baby and she's dying in front of him saying, my husband's a good man. (laughs) What kind of mental trauma that's got to do to a person? I'm holding the baby of a woman who still loves a man who choked her that I had to kill who was like a brother to me. Yes. And as far as Obi-Wan knows at that point, he's killed him, right? He's dead. Right. He doesn't realize Anakin survived that somehow until much later. Well, because he saw him catch on fire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and drift ever so slowly towards the lava. <laughs> Why didn't he just finish the job? I'm like, because in regular physics world, that would have been death. <laughs> of course, a moral person would be like, Let's let things be. I mean, this is already terrible enough. I don't need to go down there and decapitate the son of a. Yeah, we're good. We're good. I'm just going to walk away. That's the best for everybody. <laughs> Apparently it wasn't somehow. And I am jamming that. I believe button as hard as I possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to talk about the fan theories around Obi-Wan and Padme? How do you mean? Cause there were several fan theories that, that actually they were in love. Oh, offhand, just outright, you would be hard pressed to convince me of that. I'm kind of in the same boat, but there's apparently a fairly devoted following. I think it starts in episode two, where Obi-Wan kind of bursts out of the window chasing after the assassin. And they're they're all like, he shows restraint about everybody else, but not about protecting her. And then it sort of morphs into a different view of all of the conversations that happen from that point onward. The truth is, like, I kind of dismissed it immediately, but I saw that there was a lot of people who thought pretty heavily about it. So I didn't know if you were in that camp or if you'd read much about it or. No, I, I think that him bursting through the window wasn't about protecting Padme. It was, hey, I'm a police officer and there goes my crook. Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts. <laughs> and really, their conversations after that really weren't. He never tries to dissuade Anakin from the fact that she was happy to see them. You know, he even says so as much. If he was really kind of obsessed with her or in love with her in the manner that some people are theorizing, he would have been like, oh, no, she doesn't think anything of you. Yeah. Okay. I just figured I'd bring that up just in case for completeness sake. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's one of those you you want to quash the crazy stories that people come up with because you're just like, no, that's just reaching too far, man. That's trying to make things more dramatic. And they were already dramatic in a high school kind of way already. Yeah. <laughs> they were already in that, in that range. <laughs> After she apparently, you know, passes from saying her final words about Anakin, the next scene is the Carillion Corvette flying to Naboo for her funeral. Yep. There's a conversation about the twins, where they should go and whatnot, that they should be split up. <laughs> I love Bale on this. He's like, well, I'll take the girl, but uh, not the boy. <laughs> well, because they said that they should have been split up. They said from the get-go, Yoda was the one who said that they should be split up. He explains, you know, because we've always wanted a girl. We always wanted to adopt a girl. You know, so we'll, we'll take the girl. <laughs> <laughs> what about the boy? He should go to his family. Oh, so not the girl, but the boy. Yeah. What? All right, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Throughout the prequels, you you get the obvious feel constantly that Palpatine is playing this long game, right? That he's he's got all these gears at work all over the place. Uh And throughout this movie, especially after kind of the, the fall of the temple, 
you start to get the feeling that Yoda's doing the same thing. Right, that he's trying to manipulate things down the line. Right, this to me is one of the clearest, because he, he makes, you know, like I said, like most of the decisions they make after uh, Mace Windu's call about Anakin is bad. Like they don't make good decisions here forward till this point. And then you start to think about it and you're like, well, was Yoda really playing a longer game than we think? Was the decision to split up, you know, split the party and have him fight the emperor? And did he see that the failure was likely? And could Yoda see the fall of the whole Jedi in the future and know that it was unavoidable and like be unhappy about it, but know that, okay, that's go- that was going to happen. And this is how we have to play our part of the story from now on. Uh-huh. You know, Yoda's saying, okay, he should go to his family. It's like immediate. Like, this is where he needs to go now. And you you see a lot more assured or confidence from Yoda in this movie than you do anywhere else. Right. And that decision he makes here kind of calls that to mind. Um, yeah, sure. Because, like we pointed out the time thing before, maybe we don't know how much time has passed since they left Polis Massa, the asteroid, to Naboo. Yeah. And that he's had all that time to quietly ponder what to do. Yeah, that's a good point figure out what their next move should be or, or what the going into exile actually looks like. Mm-hmm. But then the next thing that they talk about is Obi-Wan training on how to communicate with the dead, basically. Yes. <laughs> What's interesting about this, and this is where the cartoon comes into place, is they kind of explain that. They kind of explain how some Jedi are able to project themselves as Force ghosts and to, to be able to communicate with the living world. Yeah, he says uh, a friend has come back from the netherworld of the Force. And you're just sort of like, I'm, none, of, none of those concepts make any sense in your theological system. <laughs> like, like <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> that people held onto their individualism while being melded into the living force. <laughs> right. And you kind of get the feeling that like, there's a different thing going on here, but Yoda just strung some words together to make, uh, to get, I'll be one to believe whatever. <laughs> Force ghosts, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Me personally, don't have a problem with the Force ghosts. <laughs> I I don't. In theory, but it's difficult to. It's difficult to get that to align up with everything they say about how the Force works and death and and that kind of stuff. So. Which is why you need to see the cartoon. Yeah, I told you I'm watching them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm watching them. My favorite one in like that first season, it's like my favorite one that makes me love the series. It's the one with the uh, clone listening post. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the commando droids that overtake it and whatnot. It's like episode four or something. That elicited a lot of responses from Maria. Because tons of clones die, and she's just like, oh, she doesn't like it when they die. So, <laughs> but then they trick the droids by holding up the droid head, going Roger, Roger. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so yes, now we have the funeral scene for Padme. The most striking thing about the scene is her holding the little carving that we saw in episode one, uh-huh. which was the little scared boy Anakin giving the trinket protection charm to the person who gave him a blanket (laughs) (laughs) and kind of the full force of that, that yeah, it didn't end up saving her or being protective of her at all. 
and her doom ended up coming from the person who gave her the protection charm. Like, and it just sort of plays into the whole, the concept, the, uh, the fatalism. Yeah. Ides of March, you know, Julius Caesar kind of thing. Your prediction about the future came true because of you. Good job. <laughs> yeah. More or less the story of, uh, Oedipus. Yes. It was a fairly common device in a lot of Greek literature. Classic literature. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's not even, li- it's plays, classic plays. <laughs> Literature, history, play, all the same thing. <laughs> right. The next to final scenes. So you see uh, the emperor standing there talking to dun, 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 Grand Moff Tarkin. Tarkin. And you're kind of like, oh, yeah. And then uh, Vader walks up and you get to zoom in and look at what they're looking at. And it's the um, unfinished first Death Star. That's right. And Vader kind of crosses his arms with the emperor standing there. And Tarkin, as he, as he as Vader comes up, kind of wanders off, and you then you pan out and you see them from the back. Right. And then the very last scene is the delivery of Luke. Oh no, no we still got the delivery of Leia to the Organas on Alderaan. Oh yeah, which is a real quick scene. It's very nice. Yeah, yeah, she's safe with the Alderaanian people because nothing bad will ever happen to them. They're very Swiss-like. <laughs> yep, yep, neutral. <laughs> neutrals <laughs> and then yes obi-wan delivering luke to aunt beru and owen lars owen lars yeah <laughs> so you see you see obi-wan give the baby to beru and owen standing on the ridge looking out over the suns <laughs> so it begins and beru brings the kid up and he's just like i must slap out of this kid so much <laughs> so it begins the slapping slapping and, and, and just the man i hope this uh this kid doesn't end up getting me uh, burnt to a crisp one day like all the way down to the bone you know set on fire and brew being like what in the f- is wrong with you <laughs> with you <laughs> that was weirdly specific <laughs> Yeah, I'll slap him as much as possible to keep that from happening. (laughs) (laughs) Slapping him constantly will keep me from being burned alive. Now you're starting to sound like Anakin. During the scene, you have sort of the Leia's theme sort of playing when Leia's delivered, and then you have the the Luke sort of people standing on the ridge looking at the sons, the two sons theme playing for Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru and, uh, and Baby Luke, and then Obi Wan in the background watching them, and then the credits roll. So, I guess we'll hit it with uh, final thoughts. Final thoughts of the Fat Man. I liked Revenge of the Sith, probably number two out of the prequels, really. I like Attack of the Clones better. Wait, what? You, wait, you like Attack of the Clones better than Revenge of the Sith? I want, I want to say maybe. Wait, and you like Attack of the Clones better than Phantom Menace? Oh, definitely. Huh. Okay. All right. Fine. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wanted to make sure. I just, I'm confused after listening to our Attack of the Clones podcast, but keep going. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was so many decades ago. I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> It's a good point. Good point. Just just to let everybody know, like the recording between the first 
episode of this string of podcasts where Bruce clearly said that, that Revenge of the Sith was his favorite prequel movie. Huh. And now huh. has been almost a year. I don't know. It's a guess. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more like three months, four months, something like that. Yeah, somewhere in there. <laughs> well, you know, time's got a funny thing going on with the Rona running around. Yeah, yeah. So it's four months in coronavirus time, which is like five years. I think that's how that math works. <laughs> I guess Bruce's tastes have changed. And and I also very clearly, I think Bruce also said that Attack of the Clones was his least favorite. And that definite sea change there. But uh, keep going, Fat Man. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was good. George needs to learn how to write romance better. <laughs> and I got to say, this probably was either one of the hardest movies to do a read through for, or one of the hardest movies to do editing for throughout the process. Cause like it jumps around so much <laughs> from reviewing standpoint. Yeah. Or, yeah okay. The first read through with everyone there at the conference, you know, <laughs> you'd be like, well, and then we switch the scene over to, and then we switch the scene over to my God, George, how many times? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> like, I, oh my God. But he does that in episode four as well. So <laughs> I understand everything's happening at once, but for the love of God, man. <laughs> yeah. Definitely has one of the most emotional scenes of the entire prequel trilogy in it. It wraps up the storyline really well. And like I said, I mean, in hindsight, you know, with almost 20 years or, or at least decade and a half of it, it, it's definitely aged better with time. All right. All right. So I think, um, my final thoughts, you know, Revenge of the Sith is is by far my favorite prequel, and it's it's actually in the top three of all my favorite. I, I don't think I can put it at, like number two, but it's probably number three overall. It's just how the story goes. There are a lot of times I have to push the I believe button more times than I want to as the story mm-hmm. progresses. Basically, once Anakin decides, it's not Anakin's decision to save Palpatine that's a problem, or even him killing Mace Windu. But after that point where he kind of gives himself over to Palpatine, that's an issue. But other than that, most of the decisions the characters make play along with potential ways they could have interpreted the situations they were. The fight scenes, even though, you know, I expressed several problems with the fight scene between the Emperor and Yoda, it was still overall a really fun watch. The fight scene with Anakin and Obi-Wan doesn't get matched or surpassed in the entire series. Um, yes. Now that we've seen all nine films, because uh, I think when we started recording this for episode three, maybe there weren't nine films yet. <laughs> so, which would, oh, good lord, yeah, which would be the this was we started recording this one, two, three, four. So that's more like eight months ago. <laughs> so it'd be like ten years in Corona time. <laughs> I was going to say November, you know, of last year. Even given all of those, I don't think there's a better uh, lightsaber fight in the entirety of the canon, at least in the movies, in my opinion. I think the fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan, it's both epic in scale and epic in emotion and epic in reality. The next course of of a lot of things is determined by that fight. Mm Mm-hmm. Including, interestingly enough, Anakin's chance of redemption. Because if Anakin gets killed there, he dies a monster. 
And though he transforms with the result of that fight into a monster, his eventual redemption doesn't happen if he dies there. Whereas the rest of it, like Obi-Wan and Yoda going into hiding and Luke and Leia going into hiding, if if Vader dies, all of that still ends up happening. Uh You know, one of them or both of them end up having to train as Jedi and going up against the Emperor. All of that still has to happen, even if Vader dies. But Vader can't get redeemed if he dies. That's kind of one of the epic pieces of that battle. And... Unlike episode one, where the rest of the story (laughs) was more or less at the service of the amazingness that was the end of that movie, although I do love the pod pod racing still, I enjoyed the whole of episode three, watching Palpatine do his magic, the really well done scene where literally nothing happens, but so much, you know, everything happens internally and it's done. The cinematics is done well enough that you know what's going on. Um, even though nothing really is happening on the screen. This is one of my favorite Star Wars movies. I think it's a, as a movie, it's a huge testimonial to if you do a trilogy or a set of movies, it's best to have one guy in charge (laughs) writing, (laughs) writing the movie and doing the whole arc and and doing everything. Cause otherwise you get spaghetti at the end and it's no good. But this, you know, even though, Episode two, episode one wasn't great. Episode two was even worse. Uh, episode three was amazing. And because of its amazingness and it's and it fed from the other two, it sort of lifts them up. Right. And it plays very well into episode four. And then and there's a lot of stuff about like a lot of stuff about the Jedi and issues. And I don't know. It's a good movie. Okay, I'll shut up. <laughs> no, no, no. I think that's a great point. What's even better about, say, the sequel trilogy is it does make you go back and look at those and go, huh, it does, you know, ask those questions about the Jedi and things like that. Right. Yeah. There were problems with them. If all you have is the is the original three movies, the original trilogy, the Jedi are portrayed as this like force for good and they were the light side users. And that's like all you get. <laughs> right. You know, and what's funny too is if you just had the original and the sequel, then all of a sudden it's the night and day. They were good, but in reality they were bad. And then you look at the prequels and go, well, they weren't either. They were just really confusing. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Because <laughs> they were. They were just really human, more human than anyone would like to admit. Yes. More human than they would like to admit, which I think was a primary problem. Right. I think uh, episode three. Probably my favorite of the prequels. Definitely not a good standalone movie, I guess. But as far as a Star Wars movie goes, would watch again. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that because you were talking about how well it does to bring into episode four. I think that's where Rogue One really, for those who don't want to admit that Rogue One is a good movie, that they should see that Rogue One really boosts up those two as a bridge. So, yeah, the other, I mean, the other movies are sort of like what was going on in the galaxy that wasn't focused on the Skywalkers. Uh-huh. And so that's a different piece of it. All right. We finally finished Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. I'm going to throw some kind of party. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, dear listeners, for sticking with us. For listening to this podcast if you would like to head over to patentthefatman.com comment on our shows um yeah let us know things you like things you don't like if you would like to support us head over to patreon or use the link from the website and search for patentthefatman.com and you can become a fan or a huge fan or a big fan we do have exclusive content that we make 
quote unquote, <laughs> for uh, for our listeners there. And we really appreciate your support. You know, make sure to give us reviews on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or however you listen. If we're not on a platform and you want us on a platform, let us know on the website. So I think that's all we've got. Thank you again for listening to Pat and the Fat Man. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man. Stay classy. May the force be with you. We did it! We did it! Yeah! In your face! One! One! I'm sorry, Peter. Oh, that feels, I mean, that took us three, three hours just to finish like 10, 20, 20 minutes. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> my